This time on Bellicast, making some money. This is it. This is the real thing. You've heard about it on the radio and seen it in the papers. Ten big acts for the price of one ticket. Behind this curtain, you'll see the Fiji mermaid, the giant red bat, the six-foot man-eating chicken. They're all real, and they're all on the inside. You'll see the Ethiopian glacier. folks what are you waiting for admission is free to Ballycast, the podcast of the carnival sideshow and variety arts you're just in time we're gonna have a free show we're gonna bring out the strange people the weird people here they come now watch the doorway you'll see what they do you'll hear what they talk about they're all alive on the inside get your ticket and come in Ballycast presents news and interviews with performers and showmen some important words of warning. This podcast is not family friendly. I'm not even thinking about it. So listen at your own risk. Here's your host, Wayne Kaiser. Welcome to Bellycast, episode 163, brought to you free by Blue Ridge Entertainment for showmen, performers, and fans of the sideshow, carnival, and variety arts. The feature segment of today's show, treating your performances as a business, how to do it right. Also, a holiday gift for you, news, and much more. Please hold your applause. It's Ballycast. Here we go. Keep your hands and arms inside the car and remain seated until the ride comes to a complete stop. In the news... Who's dead? Anne Rice, who reinvented the vampire. No, it wasn't Stephanie Meyer with her petulant teenage glittery twilight vampires. Anne Rice wrote over 30 books and innovated the tragic romantic vampire in Interview with the Vampire, The Vampire Lestat, Queen of the Damned, and several others. 1791 was the year it happened. I was 24, younger than you are now. The times were different then. I was a man at that age. The master of a large plantation just south of New Orleans. I had lost my wife in childbirth. She and the infant had been buried less than half a year. I would have been happy to join them. I couldn't bear the pain of their loss. I longed to be released from it. She was born and raised in New Orleans, also the home ground of her vampires. In the spring of 1988, I returned to New Orleans. And as soon as I smelled the air, I knew I was home. It was rich, almost sweet, like the fragrance of jasmine and roses around our old courtyard. I walked the streets, savoring that long-lost perfume. She publicly broke with organized religion, affirming her faith in God, but refusing any longer to be called Christian, then wrote two novels about her take on religion, Christ the Lord, Out of Egypt, and The Road to Cana. Under a pseudonym, she wrote a series of Sleeping Beauty BDSM erotica novels, 
and about all of her work, she said, I have always written about outsiders, about outcasts, about those whom others tend to shun or persecute, and their struggle to find some community of their own. I see vampires and witches and ghosts as metaphors for the outsider in each of us. Whatever happened to Lestat, I do not know. I go on, night after night. I feed on those who cross my path. I'm a spirit of preternatural flesh. Detached. Unchangeable. Empty. Like you lies back. All new, all powerful. <laughs> Blackula, the Black Prince of Shadows, rises from his grave to stalk the earth again in the all new motion picture chiller. Scream, Blackula, scream. <laughs> Blackula returns, quenching his thirst for blood in a death trap for his enemies. Blackula, more horrifying than Dracula, screaming for revenge against a voodoo cult of evil. <laughs> See Scream, Blackula, Scream, all new, rated PG, starring William Marshall, Don Mitchell, and Pam Greer, the sensuous godmother of coffee. You were terrified at Blackula. Now the Prince of Shadows returns in Scream, Blackula, Scream. Recommendations. Nuts.com. I was unbelievably happy with my first order after I'd seen the ads on my Facebook page for months. Good discounts, including a first order discount. I got a pound of huge salted whole cashews, a pound of chocolate-covered coconut, a pound of delicious dried pineapple chunks, and a pound of chocolate fudge. All wonderful. Check out Nuts.com for some good eats at good prices, delivered to your door quickly. Mmm, delicious.
job How to advance from the mailroom How to sit down at a desk How to dictate memorandums How to develop executive style How to commute in a three-button suit With that weary executive smile This book is all that I need How to, how to succeed How to observe personnel How to select whom to lunch with How to avoid petty friends How to begin making contacts How to walk into a conference room With an idea Brilliant business idea That will make your expense account to own. This book is all that I need How to, how to succeed An online purchaser of my PDF of Brill's Bible said Takes me back to building my high striker from Brill Plans in about 1974. I was 17 years old and took it on a 40-miler and made 1200 bucks in a week. So, you can take your nostalgia and maybe make money with it. Want to have even more fun? Learn stuff? Subscribe to Ballycast. You're not in school anymore. There's no homework. There are links on the webpage at ballycast.com or subscribe on iTunes. And all previous episodes are available as well. See you next episode. I have a gift for you. A PDF of a book called Sideshow Studies by Francis Metcalf, published in 1906. 211 pages, 10 chapters like The Bite of a Rattler and The Sad Fate of Big Pete, The Lioness Skirt Dance and The Amorous Python, The Hypnotic Bear and The Sentimental Lecturer, Go to the podcast episode webpage and there's a link to download it. Happy New Year! You know I've said something you like, something you hate, something you agree with, something that offends you. What are you waiting for? Drop a comment on the episode webpage at ballycast.com. Love letters straight from your Here's some advice, rather a lot of it, condensed from my notes for a class I never gave when I worked with an adult learning exchange in the 1970s. These suggestions and notes are in no particular order. Just grab onto what interests you as it passes by. Miss Dancer, take a memo. 
You have an idea, a performance, an act, something creative that resonates in your soul, and you long to deliver it and maybe, just maybe, make a living from your efforts. But how? How do others do it? It's time to stop dreaming and start planning, step by step. First, evaluate your idea. Take it apart piece by piece under a microscope and then turn it into reality by taking action, refining it. You may think you've turned this over in your mind all you can, squeezed every drop of ambiguity out of your plan, but take a look using a different perspective and you may find some additional things worth mulling over. So let me give you some perspective I've found useful over the years. As a family entertainer, I was home-based since 1983. No agent, because I badly messed up every job I let another company book me into, and I never understood why, but I'm sure it was entirely my own fault. I retired from performing in 2006. I also made a number of instructional videos for entertainers like me that are available for free on YouTube. The links to each of those are on the episode webpage. So, begin with your business structure. How will you define it? Sole proprietor, just you by yourself? A partnership. Those who hire you will consider you an independent contractor, but that's no matter to you. You should also consider whether your idea fits your lease or condo rules and your family situation. When I was working birthday magic, my wife was making a good living at a 9-to-5 job. But though I was earning much less, I was flexible enough to do the grocery shopping and take the kids to school and those numerous doctor appointments. What is your business plan? It starts with researching the market, then what you hope to get out of your work, and then define what success looks like and, on the other hand, what is failure. How much money are you willing to spend trying your idea out, and how much money do you need to realize from it? Define what success means to you. If you don't know what you want, you won't know when you've achieved it. Can you sell your skills? Is there a market for what you want to do? Has your activity and experience so far helped you to identify clients? Self-employment gives you far more control over your income than you have with a regular job. When you're self-employed, no one can fire you or lay you off. Employees learn how risky it is when they hear the words, We're letting you go. Surprise! That happened to me in my previous job, a job with the federal government in an agency Reagan shut down altogether. Thank you very much, you senile old fuck. Can you diversify your types of income and thereby reduce your risk? You have the control necessary to make this happen. 
generating different types of income from several efforts, whatever those efforts are, performing, teaching, writing, that's a lot more secure than receiving only one paycheck. You earn income by providing value, not time. So find a way to provide your best value to others and charge a fair price for it. When you want to increase your income, do you have to beg a boss for more money, or are you free to decide how much you get paid without needing anyone's permission but your own? If you have a business and one customer says no to you, you simply say, Next! I'm sure you've heard some complainers say, The customer is always right! If you're self-employed, feel free to fire customers that cause you grief. Some customers just aren't worth having. If you're self-employed, there's no need to do business with people who think it's their right to treat you like dirt. Write down and commit to one step you can take this week, today, right now, to help you move your life more in line with your ideal. Make sure that this step is small enough to be achievable and is something you can maintain going forward. I like to do a magic story. And today's story is the story of the king or queen who couldn't be fooled three times. Would that be good? Well, there are three people in this story. Who would like to be in it? Please, won't you? Now, the first person is a king or queen who is very, very mean. Show me a mean face. Come on up here, Jerry. And then there's a princess who's very beautiful and smart. Show me beautiful and smart. Show them me. 
Once he brought out something that looked just like this. He said, look everybody, here's how I'm going to fool that queen. I have two sticks. One is a long tassel and one is a short tassel. And if I pull the short one, the long one goes up. If I pull the short one, the long one goes up. Is that amazing or what? Yeah. Uh, the queen said, no, you didn't fool me. That string just comes up here, goes over here, goes down here. Right, queen? That's why you pull this one. That one goes up, right, queen? Cut his head off. Give me it. Whoa. You know what Ranjit said? He said, I fooled you. Because look, magic fingers, Ranjit. Thank you very much. There's nothing between those strings. And still, if I pull this one, that one goes up. Ha, 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 ha. Give me a ha, 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 ha. Brave and smart. Da, 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 da. Beautiful and smart. Mean. Whoa. So the queen thought she'd been fooled once. She didn't want to be fooled twice. Then she said, wait a minute. That string just comes up here, goes down here, goes over here, goes over here, goes down here. Right, queen? That's why you pull this one. That, come back there. That one goes up. Right, queen? Cut his head off. Give me it. Oh, you like that too much. You know that? You know what Ranjit said? He said, I fooled you again. Because look, magic fingers, Ranjit. Thank you very much. There's nothing between them at all. And still, if I pull this one, that one's just got to go up. Ha, 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 ha. Give me a ha, ha, ha. Ha, 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 ha. Great and smart. So the queen thought, and she thought, and she thought she'd been fooled twice. She didn't want to be fooled the last time. And while she thought, the princess reached out and pulled that one. Uh-oh. Ranjit's in trouble now. The princess had broken his strings. He couldn't get either one of them to work. They were coming and cut his head off. You know what he did? He looked for somebody with very long, pretty hair like uh, like yours and borrowed this one. Thank you. He tied one end around that end, and he tied one end around that end, and he got ready to pull on it. He asked everybody for magic fingers, say the magic words, Abracadabra. He pulled on it and whoa! He got him up to work. He fooled the queen the third time, and Ranjit married Princess Taylor, and they both kissed a whole bunch every day. Give all my helpers a big yay! How to double and even triple your fee at each show. When booking your show, offer to sell products as a part of the full presentation. I could offer a bargain price on goodie bags filled with four or five pieces of slum bought by the gross from Oriental Trading Company or U.S. Toy, usually including a packet of play money, a tiny plastic skeleton, a bracelet, a little plastic spider, and such. Colorful bags came by the thousand from a different supplier, and distributing them was a great time extender. Every show, if the parent didn't buy goodie bags, I gave out free prizes at the end while the kids were in line to pet the rabbit, saying, Now for the boys, I have this pretty heart bracelet, and for the girls, this scary skeleton. I watched all the oh-so-politically-correct parents cringe. What, the other way around? Tell you what, you can have whichever one you want. What can you offer that is unique? 
you're most likely to be competing with other freelance artists in your area who offer a similar service and charge a roughly similar fee. The fact that you might be better than them doesn't guarantee regular work or a higher fee unless you stand out by offering something unique. That might be a specific skill you specialize in or a layer of service you provide that others don't. Of course, it's no good offering a unique layer of service if people aren't interested in it. The key to finding new customers is to offer a specialized service that lots of people are looking for but that other artists in the area don't offer. Your website address and your phone number should be prominent on every page of every communication you issue. I mean that. Every page, every communication, from your letters to your blog to your website. How many restaurants have you found their menu online and had to search for the way to call them? Your website is a 24-hour brochure that never wrinkles or gets lost. By repeating your unique offer several times within your copy, you'll increase your chances of your website being tracked by web crawlers, boosting your chances of being found on the first few pages of the major search engines. I am amazed at how many performers have no idea what their net profit is for each show. You should know this and more. Know the basics of setting up your business. Proper record-keeping. It's not hard to find what your federal and state and county taxes demand as far as licensure, zoning issues, other regulations, a need for a DBA, banking. Always keep your personal money in a separate account from your business money. Reserve some money so you're not tempted to use personal credit and never carry a credit card balance. There's always the temptation to ask, what can I get away with? That always comes back and bites you. Your home office these days is likely to be the same for business as it is for your personal office. I never took off an allowance for home office space from my taxes because when you sell your home, that will have to be added back in. But I did often hire family and pay them generously. That sometimes worked better than others, but it usually went okay. A couple of years, I hired my wife's younger brother to be my elf when I played Santa. I looked back on that with a smile when he later became an army drill sergeant. <laughs> Have time extenders for when you find yourself delivering less than you promised. When I found a show running short and I didn't want to say, now remember, I said about an hour, I could stand the kids up and march them around the room a couple of times, singing, Hail to the Redskins, Hail Victory, Braves on the Warpath, Fight for Old D.C., Grown-ups, come on, join in. Probably wouldn't work in today's climate. Hail to the Washington football team. Become so organized it disgusts people. You'll never be perfectly organized, but you'll be far better off than your peers who spend two weeks every year looking for things they misplaced. 
If you aren't chronically well-organized, punctual, and dependable, rest assured you're competing with someone who is. Do what you love, but be sure it's profitable. If you can't do that, you've got a hobby, not a sustainable business. Let's just get on with the big trick of the show and pull a rabbit out of the hat. Would that be good? Yeah! A real-life bunny rabbit? Yeah! Pull him out of this hat right here. Yeah! Does anybody see a hat up there? Does anybody have a magic hat? No! Oh, look, how about, how about, how about, how about I just bring up the rabbit? Would that be okay? Yeah! But you wouldn't scare it, would you? No! Okay, because you've got to be very nice, because look, I'll show you something. I used to keep him in this cage here, but he was always getting away. So I don't keep him in there anymore, just when people are petting him. I got this box. And it was the biggest, strongest box I could find, and there's not a rabbit in the world could get out of that. So everyone say hello to George the Rabbit! Yeah. It was beautiful. George the Rabbit! He's right there. Yes, he is. And there's a big, fluffy rabbit right in. a magic rabbit, and if he gets scared, you know what happens? Yeah. He disappears. Have you seen my show before? No. Yeah, he disappears. What kinds of noises do you think would scare him so badly that he would disappear? How about, how about chicken noises? Everyone make chicken noises.
stop. Make it stop. Honestly. All right, it's okay. It's okay. Look here, here. We got another big kid-sized one that won't wiggle. Here, take that. And I. materials, every letter, every page of your website, your business card, every ad of every kind, provide a link to your work. Videos posted online are nice. YouTube is free and YouTube videos can be embedded easily on your website. Send a follow-up email for every inquiry. If you don't hear back in a few days, Send another polite follow-up email, no more insistent than the first. They will respect that. However, if you still don't get a response, 
wait one more week to send another follow-up email, and then drop it if they don't respond, as they're either not interested at all or they're too flaky to work with. Do you really know what your customer wants? Do you know their hot buttons? So how do you know what your customers really want? Simple. Ask them. I had a client go on and on about how happy she was that I cleaned up after myself. I've always taken it for granted that you should leave the venue exactly as you found it or better. It seemed to me to be the right thing to do. But for her, it was the coolest thing she'd ever seen, and I made sure I do it at all of my events. Another client liked it that I came completely self-contained. I brought everything I needed. Don't try to sell to the wrong people. It's a waste of time to try selling to people who simply don't need what you're offering. Just because someone is interested in doing business with you doesn't mean you should accept. And if an actual potential customer is broke and obsessively worried about every nickel they spend, they won't be a good client in the long run. Let your competition waste time selling to them. You'll free up more time to focus on serving the best customers. I was tempted to say yes to anyone who approached me with a potential business relationship. I wasted a lot of time pursuing deals that were too much of a stretch to begin with. None of them made me a dime. If you think a meeting is pointless, it probably is. Don't network with random people just because you think you're supposed to network. Most relationships simply aren't worth pursuing. Learn to say no to the weak opportunities so you have the capacity to say yes to the golden opportunities. Don't accept a check from just anyone and never assume that a signed contract will be honored. I've made this mistake more than I care to admit. Sure, I was in the right, but did I want to go to court to enforce it? What's behind a contract is a relationship. If the relationship goes sour, the contract won't save you. The purpose of a contract is to clearly define everyone's roles and commitments. But it's the relationship, not the paper, that ultimately enforces those commitments. It's hard to say no to a deal that seems juicy by the numbers when the gut is saying, You'll be sorry! But more often than not, I later see evidence my intuition was right all along. Sometimes I just get a bad read on someone, and then years later, several people I know are complaining about being ripped off by that person. It's very possible to get suckered in by a bad client because you're in a financially weak position and it compromises your judgment. Work only for A clients and don't ever sit still for late payers or abusers of any kind. Fire bad clients or it will never end. Deliver your work product well and give them more than they expect. Get paid now without allowing any argument. Don't be afraid to simply walk away. Politely, of course, but firmly. Put the blame elsewhere. I wish I could, but my partners won't let me. An old family friend, an attorney found herself charging too little and not getting paid reliably. Although she was alone in her practice, I told her to tell clients that her partners would not allow her to 
whatever. Not get a retainer in advance, not get paid up front, whatever. Between us, we refer to her non-existent partners as Guido. Guido says if I ever do that again, he'll break my kneecaps. Find out what competitors charge. It's good to find out what the market average is and charge a little more. That tells clients that you're good. New freelancers, especially, tend to undervalue themselves. They charge less than they're worth. If you're just breaking into the business and don't have any previous work or reputation to point to, a low rate may be justified, but don't make a habit of it. You can say, we're having a sale. Often, a freelancer will complete an assignment and then move on to another assignment with another client. Always propose a follow-up idea for future work. Have multiple income streams. Relying on one or two clients is always a bad idea. If your main client drops you or reduces his freelance budget or goes out of business, you're out of luck, and then you can't pay your bills. You might start with one freelance client, we all do in the beginning, but don't rely on that as your primary source of income until you've added more clients. Don't allow yourself to slack. Let's face it, some days you don't feel like working, and that's fine if you plan for that flexibility and make up for it on other days. But too many days of slacking, and soon you aren't getting any income or you're missing deadlines. It often helps to work in bursts to motivate yourself. Be aware of the danger of scope creep. That begins at the moment your client asks for something outside of the scope of work for which you've contracted. You do have a contract, right? Naturally, they're expecting this thing to be included at no extra cost. Defining the boundaries of a project can be very challenging. You write the contract. Scope creep happens largely because clients don't always know exactly what they want. Bulleted lists are a client's best friend. Most discussions about scope creep will involve either the client or the vendor or both saying, well, we just assumed that this thing would be included in your price. You probably already know the areas in which clients usually tend to push the limits. Write them down and include them in your proposal. Tell them these things are not included for this price. Set expectations up front. Tell them that the scope represents exactly what they'll get. If it isn't in writing, they shouldn't expect to get it. Don't assume they read the clause in your contract about this. Learn to estimate pessimistically. Consider what you promise clients and what you can reliably deliver. Most of us are too optimistic when we estimate and, by the way, leave early to get there. Be professional. No one is interested in giving money to an amateur. All communications with clients or potential clients should be as professional as possible. Don't come across as someone who's just trying things out or just needs a chance. Act confident as if you sell this service every day and are looking for just one more client. 
if people perceive you as a professional, they're more likely to choose you to serve their needs and do it reliably. Specialize in delivering awesome quality. If you take pride in the quality of your work and have the client respond with a wow, there's no better way of guaranteeing future business. Michael Lamar told me I should always ask at the end of the show, was everything all right? And give the client a couple of business cards on which I had handwritten right in front of them, 10% discount. Once you get them talking, ask them who else they know that would like your show. Most of my clients were connected and it never hurts to ask. I got some killer leads this way. It should be your long-term strategy to build a credible reputation as someone who is professional and does an awesome job. If you do this and follow up with clients, even the small ones, they'll be highly impressed with you and not only use you in the future, but recommend you to others. But be sure to check up on how you accomplish that. When I was working, I began to wonder why I never got a call back from potential customers who asked me for references when I had referred them to Al's Magic Shop. I thought the staff there would surely back me up. And then I asked Al himself what was happening, and he said some bullshit like, Oh, we never do that. It, it wouldn't be fair, mumble, 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 mumble. It was very disappointing to know that he didn't think enough of me to warn me of that policy. I never trusted him again. Every business shops their competitors. Businesses of all sorts check out the competition regularly and thoroughly. Your fellow locals are doing it to you whether you realize it or not. Don't feel guilty about doing it for your own survival and don't get caught. Get the name of one person to be the boss on site. All applause is perceived as applause for you. Let's give all of my helpers here a big yay! Be sure to actually stop selling and ask for the sale. How many hours should I make the contract out for? Don't sign the contract yourself and put in there that it's not final until it's returned by a deadline date, signed, and both parties have signed it. Sometimes you just have to say your lines, take the check, and go home. Well, that's a lot of information all in one disorderly lot. Pick and choose what suits you, or as you might say, chew up the grapes and spit out the seeds. Gentlemen! Gentlemen! A secretary is not a toy, no, my boy, not a toy to fondle and dandle and playfully handle in search of some puerile joy. No, a secretary is not, definitely not a toy. You're absolutely right, Mr. Brad. We wouldn't have it any other way, Mr. Brad. It's a company rule, Mr. Brad.
A secretary is not a toy, no, my boy, not a toy. So do not go jumping for joy, boy. A secretary is not. A secretary is not. A secretary is not. A toy. Find nothing like her at FAO Schwartz. A secretary is not a pet, nor an erector set. It happened to Charlie McCoy, boy, they fired him like a shot. The day the fella forgot, a secretary is not a toy. Don't find the name Lionel on her caboose. In our online shop, a growing collection of complete plans for timeless carnival attractions and acts. Here's one working performers can use today. From the 1940s, a complete pseudo-hypnotic act. The full set of secrets for performing a sideshow-style hypno-act with four detailed routines. Crowd-pleasers like the rigid arm, standing three men on the subject's chest, stopping the pulse, and breaking a stone on the chest. You can select your favorite individual effects or perform the entire set as a complete act. The manuscript is a detailed guide to presentation. There's no actual hypnosis involved, not even the careful scripting and attention control that modern stage hypnotists depend on. Digitized and carefully restored in PDF format for just $4. For a real piece of carnival history or a working act that still plays well today, use the link on the podcast page.
Ballycast is produced by Wayne Kaiser for Blue Ridge Entertainment under a Creative Commons 3.0 attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. That means you can keep it, copy it, share it with a friend, just tell them where it came from, don't change it, and don't sell it. If you enjoyed it, you can subscribe at ballycast.com. Visit us, link to us, subscribe to the podcast, and most importantly, enjoy. Please exit to your left.